I'm Megan Lawrence, and welcome to the Wild Leaders Podcast. Wild stands for Whole and Intentional Leader Development, and in this episode, you'll be listening to one of our Wild Conversations. Wild Conversations are interactive virtual experiences every Friday for one hour with leaders from around the country. It's no cost to join or attend, and you can sign up by visiting wildleaders.org backslash wildconversation. You can also listen on YouTube, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please follow us and subscribe. Wild Conversations are led by our founder and CEO, Dr. Rob McKenna. Named one of the top 30 IO psychologists alive today, Dr. McKenna is passionate about developing leaders and transforming the way we see people in our organizations. As he will tell you, we have the tools at our fingertips to invest in our people in ways that are meaningful to them and will get the results we need. 30 years of research has taught us how much people learn and grow on the job. We have what it takes to create rich learning environments for the people we lead, and all we have to do is begin to act on what we know. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. My dissertation was on a fundamental paradox, and I got interested in it because I was starting to lead at an age where I had no business being a leader, I don't think, but I was, uh, I was a director on this grant. And as I was, I was, I was beginning to, to lead people, I saw a fundamental tension I was facing because in the 90s, one of the biggest variables that was studied, that was talked about often, was empowerment. And so that, that word was thrown around often. And it was people were studying all kinds of, it was the dependent variable. And as I began to lead, I was trying to pay attention to that, what we were understanding about empowerment in my own management of people. And, uh, and I came across this tension I was experiencing that was this tension between what I experienced as, how do I empower people? And it, I don't even know if I can, you know, that's a good question, but, and also how do I provide control systems and structure? And so it got me really interested in that tension between what was described at the time as managerial control and empowerment. And so I, I started to, and I was trying to, to convince my, uh, my dissertation chair, uh, Dr. Stuart, Stuart Donaldson, to, to allow me to study this. And for a long time, he was like, I don't get it. I don't get it. And then we, then we ended up getting a much larger grant where we were, where we were leading at this next level. And he, he called me in one day and he's like, I get it. <laughs> so it was like, because we had more of that responsibility and feeling that tension was something that we then explored. And, uh, and it, what it really got me interested in, though, you know, is that it's funny how you look at these variables was paradox. And so it ended up framing a lot. I think my dissertation was more about my expl- exploration of paradox than it was necessarily about control and empowerment. Um, and it's interesting. So I'm going to this 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 uh, time today as I, as I set up these conversations for us is um, is going to get a little personal and a little human. Um, I want to set the frame that say that most of you know that most of our work is with leaders who whose like primary their their context that oftentimes we're working with is work, but that that work context gets very personal very quickly, um, and so it's like in some ways it's interesting how these boundaries between what is life and what is work get drawn out, and so often what's relevant in work doesn't get called into the rest of our life, and I still think it's relevant. And what's relevant in our life doesn't get called into our workspace, which makes it feel like we're missing something and maybe another fundamental paradox, if you will. So um, so we're going to be talking I, about work and leadership in this, but it's going to get fairly, fairly personal. One of the questions that I often think about and just just uh, uh, entertain this for a moment is 
if I were to ask you to think about, let's get into this, this whole versus fragmented paradox, because in many ways, this is going to set up all the conversations for this series. And, uh, and if I asked you to think about an, a physical object that you would define as whole, what would it be? And uh, some of you can throw this, uh, you know, throw this out there, like what yours would be? What is what, it, what would it be? And so when I've asked this question, so something's coming to mind for you. When I ask that question, most people that I have asked over the, over the last few years have identified something that is circular or spherical, which I find really fascinating. I'm not saying if, if you didn't, you did not have the wrong answer. You did not fail the test. Because um, I think it's really interesting what you would describe as whole. But I think it's also fascinating that when we think of things that are whole, so often we think of spheres. And I, honestly, one of the most common things that has come up is uh, people have thought of oranges. I don't know why oranges tends to come up, but it comes up often. And so, and it's almost like I think we pick spheres sometimes because they're actually, they're multidimensional as opposed to two-dimensional or, or they're, they've got three or, you know, we see multi-dimensions in, in a sphere. And so um, I guess two dimensions is technically multi-dimensional Dr. Halleck. So, uh, but I think it's interesting because in many ways our conceptualization of whole is something that's less linear, like moving forward in sort of a linear sort of progression and something that's more about maybe things that come back around or things that have kind of connective tissue together, that, that they actually have connections, that one side, of, one side of that orange is somehow connected to the other side in terms of what health looks like and what in terms of what wholeness looks like. So, um, and it's interesting because when you look at the psychology of leaders and, and in organizational life, so many of us, it, it takes so much time to rigorously study, rigorously study any topic that it's oftentimes difficult to actually see the interconnections between those things we study. And if you look at the, the, the uh, research that's out there on organizational life or on the life and development of a leader, and you start to think about these variables together, it gets very, first of all, it gets very difficult to study with much rigor because it gets pretty complex, almost more complex than our statistical models would allow um, because we have to simplify in order to control variables. But it's necessarily, I, th I think it's necessary to consider these things and to consider how these different variables we've studied impact one another in, in our whole experience. And so the wild toolkit is, is, as some of you know, I've spent my whole career building a system and a process for people to scaffold or to structure their own development within the, their work and life context. And so that's what the wild toolkit is about. So let's go, let's, let's get into this. Let's get, I'm going to go deep fast, ready to go. I need some, okay, here we go. Our aspiration and ability to see our lives as, as more whole alongside um, our honest understanding that we aren't is one of the most powerful paradoxes we experience. Even though wholeness feels most often just beyond our grasp, the reality that we can see its possibility, think about this for a second is proof that it exists. A few years back, uh, a leader who had heard my heart regarding the importance of whole and intentional leader development suggested this. Uh, they suggested that I begin by asking people what their lives would look like if it were more whole. That I st start by asking leaders that. 
And I remember, I remember Daniel and I were sitting together when that, when that person suggested this, it felt like a risky, but important suggestion that I have now incorporated into, and we incorporate that into so many things that we do into the beginning of our work with most leaders beyond the power and honesty in people's responses to that question. What I've seen that surprised me is that most of us can find the answer pretty quickly. Our reality is less about the difficulty of the question and more about how rarely we ask it. Oh, man, that just uh, is interesting to me. The fact that most people quickly accept the invitation in that question is, is proof of the truth behind our aspiration, our aspiration toward wholeness. What is equally crazy to me is that we are able to see a possibility of wholeness in the face of the co confronting reality of the fragmentation of our lives. It's almost as if we live our lives in, with our feet in two different worlds. Um, one of our worlds clearly maps to a more complete and whole version of ourselves in relationship to ourselves and to others. Man, that's another paradox we're going to break down in the future. And, and the other world is our human story of fragments, brokenness, disintegration, and separation. In the midst of that heaviness, there is something strangely beautiful, I think, to see. Our fragmentation, while difficult to embrace highlights our aspiration to something we know is true, but often feels just beyond our grasp. Those two things, our vision of wholeness, like that we can see this possibility of what whole would look like in the face of our pieces, may be one of the most fundamental paradoxes of our humanity. And I would suggest if, if organizations are full of people and organizations are, are, have a need for leadership and leadership is about leaders, we are talking about organizational stuff, even though what I just described sounds very philosophical and human. Will you bear with me for a moment? Because I think we are talking about human beings in organizational context. So this question of like why leaders and organizations, what's interesting, one of the reasons that leaders are so interesting to me is because fundamentally when you go first and you go from a situation where you're an individual contributor and now I'm responsible for the work or the development or the life of someone else, whether you're a parent or a president, that, that the paradoxes of our humanity become even more apparent, almost immediately apparent if you're leading well. Let me just, let me give you a couple of examples. Resourcing in the heart. It's so funny when we, when we're dealing with, when we are dealing in a corporate context or like a business context, sometimes what businesses struggle with is issues of the heart or the psychology of individuals or the human side of us. And for some reason we have this barrier to that, but we know what's important. Even though all of our, our employees and our leaders are talking about this over a cup of coffee or a beer, these things they're talking about, we often don't invite those things into our context. Equally as interesting to me is when we work with nonprofits, how issues of the heart and purpose and mission are immediately relevant, but we, we struggle to talk about money. And that resourcing and margin and the economics of our work and our need to sell sometimes, right, relates to our ability to actually scale our lives. And so, uh, or whether it's me versus we, that I'm no longer an individual contributor. Now I'm responsible for everyone else's opinions and convictions as a leader. Um, similarities and differences. We're going to have a great conversation coming up with where Dr. Tiffany Powell and I are going to have a conversation around the paradox of difference. And how does that relate to similarity? Because we know that both things are psychologically are important. So how do we deal with that? Uh, outcomes versus purpose. We deal with more organizations that where they lay out their business goals or their sales goals or their growth goals or their revenue goals. And, uh, and then when we start to push a little bit deeper into maybe 
purpose is just as, if not more important than those goals. So how do you have a conversation between those things? Um, and, and so let's get in. So let me, I haven't even described paradox yet. So let me, let me, let me describe that. A paradox by its very nature is the presence of two contradictory things, both of which are true. Okay. Uh, it's different than a synthesis because a synthesis, and I've had arguments with trusted and beloved colleagues about this. It's different than a synthesis, who may disagree with me, but it's different than a synthesis because a synthesis is the presentation of a thesis and an antithesis with the goal of arriving at something that synthesizes together. Okay, while we are drawn to things that resolve the tensions we feel every day, there are many times when that resolution may cause us to miss something that feels more akin to our reality than a tidy little wrap up. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I just, it's what frustrates me sometimes. I'm not saying that wrap ups are important. Please hear, that's another paradox, right? Um, whether it's our strengths and weaknesses, ourselves and others, our good and evil, our movement forward and our presence in the moment, our fragmentation and aspiration to wholeness. Like these are the fundamental tensions that I want to suggest make it all worthwhile. <sighs> okay. <laughs> I spent the last eight years in India. So uh, some of you know that I spent uh, not like living in India, but I go and I, and I've uh, been amazing uh, work and, and friends that are in India. And I'm usually there on India on, on their Republic day, which is the celebration of the independence of India. I got interested in, in reading the constitution of India and heard my dear friend, Bishop Joab Lahara describe the aspiration in that document. He went on to describe the importance of aspiring to a goal of a republic based on freedom, the value of the individual, um, and the power of liberty and justice, the importance of those things. That the same year I heard his description of the constitution of India, I saw Hamilton the musical. <laughs> Okay, some of you are really excited. Some of you are really sad. You haven't seen it, or some of you are just uh, just uh, sad. I'm I don't know. You're like, okay, I'm over it. Everyone else saw it but me. Okay, but here's the deal. I saw that Alexander Hamilton was responsible for publishing a series of essays defending the United States Constitution to the public. And at one point in the story, uh, in the musical, Alexander Hamilton is attempting to convince Aaron Burr to contribute essays. And here's the dialogue. Okay, this is this is this is the dialogue, the transcript. Burr says, "No one will read it." Hamilton says, "I disagree." Burr says, "And if it fails." Hamilton says, "Burr, that's why we need it." Burr says, "The constitution is a mess." Hamilton said, "So it needs amendments." Burr says, "It's full of contradictions." Hamilton says, so is independence. We have to start somewhere. The, the greatest, ah, it gives me chills. Like it was just, I saw that with Megan and another work colleague of ours and Megan had seen it. She looked over at us because we're sitting on both sides and we're both like crying. Um, the greatest governmental aspirations are documents that cannot be written without inherent contradictions or more accurately paradoxes. Documents like the Constitution of India and the United States, because of their necessary paradoxes, require just as much working out as they do declarations. It's our experience of our own humanity and our work. Any, is, is it any different than that? If we oversimplify our reality to pithy cliches about how good we are, how well we're doing, and our biggest phrase of all, you can be anything you want to be, what's missing? 
the ingredient to our humanity that's missing is the very real gap that exists between that utopian view of ourselves and our reality. A paradox doesn't dismiss the possibility of wholeness for every one of us, but it introduces the necessary reality of the fragmentation we experience every day of our lives. That's what I've loved about the wild community is people that are like kind of facing that tension. The beauty of paradox is that it gives permission to step into the questions between the things that we declare most readily and the things we whisper. This is different than, a, this, is, this is so my dad that I even have this in my notes. It's different than a clarion call. That is something so something my dad would have said uh, to vulnerability because facing the paradoxes presented to us in our brokenness and aspiration and our, and our aspiration to wholeness requires incredible thoughtfulness, intention, and courage. The fundamental paradigm shift when we move from our attempts to synthesize everything around us ah, to an invitation to our paradoxical reality is based just as much on questions as answers and on continuing to work, work it out as opposed to resolving it. And I, and I hope you all hear me that I'm not saying that resolution is like resolving things isn't important. I think that's, that's something that sometimes we need to do. Arrival does matter. What's most, but this is what's challenging. What's most normal in our experience of our learning and development, like this is what we're so much about, is our default avoidance of contradictions, dissonance, and important questions. I actually, this last week, I, I heard a, le a leader uh, tell me that my questions driving him deeper into his purpose felt like an attack on his identity. But he said this as he, after he said that, cause I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, I didn't mean to do that. But this is what he said after he said, but he said that that assault is important, even though it's tough. Why is it so powerful when someone shares even the smallest fragment of their real, you know, uh, when they share that, the, their real story? It's powerful, I think, because it lowers us to the same level when everything in our culture suggests that our appropriate level is about raising us up as opposed to humbling us. Our glimpses of wholeness only come in the presence of an invitation to our fragmentation. Our transgressions and our service to others are a, a necessity to build up ourselves and, and even to think about what we would sacrifice in ourselves. Our need for tangible resources and addressing issues of the heart. All these tensions are necessary for it to be real. That's, I think that's one of the main points. I want to like, it's kind of what's real. It's what we whisper out loud that screams out inside of us. It's like, like the scars on our body that tell a powerful story of our falls, our challenges and mistakes can look different in hindsight. The scars don't go away, but they tell a more complete part of our journey toward wholeness. Let me, let me finish with this as we launch in. An awareness of our fragmentation and its contradictory position to our desire for wholeness is the fundamental paradox of our experience of being human. That's what I believe. And it sets up so many things that are so critical that leaders have to address because so often what we're experiencing is leaders that can't express those tensions. We don't give permission in culture for them to do that. Our whole versus fragmented dilemma is just the beginning of our introduction to the daily tensions of our lives that pull us, pull on us every day. I mean, I, I feel it right now with my sons, you know, one son's a freshman in college and one's a senior in high school. And it's that, that process of letting go and holding on. 
some of you, all of you know what I'm talking about. To begin to move closer to a reality is to simply to our reality is to simply accept that invitation that we could bring our everyday experience at work and across different areas of our life closer to that reality. So where do we begin? So I'm gonna. So I know that's a lot, y'all, to to unpack. And I know that you're. We're gonna bring great wisdom to this. But let me give you. Let me let me give you a couple of places maybe to land. Um, where do we begin? Here are some possibilities. So I, I'm gonna say this honestly. Embrace the tension. Holding on to the paradox, paradoxes doesn't make you messy or an idealist, but actually brings you closer to what you and everybody else is experiencing. Avoid the temptation to resolve anything too soon. Our default is to wrap things up as opposed to work things out. Deep-seated leader preparation requires both. The next one, use answers as destinations along the way as opposed to endpoints. Um. I think it's interesting. When, when, one thing that we describe is what I call constructive dissonance. Constructive dissonance is what that leader was saying to me. It's like, Rob, this feels like an assault. And I wasn't trying to assault his identity. I was just trying to make, just asking him questions about purpose. But it felt, it felt, it, it, it brought up a dissonance for you. And I think if we could do something constructive with that and see that challenge in us, what, how powerful. The next one is offer grace. Grace is one of the most powerful, challenging, and redemptive tools in our toolbox. Grace is so crazy because it, it causes us to have to look at our own need for it and then consider offering it to others. Like it, it, it's, it, it calls us out and it sets us free, as, uh, as Amazing Grace says. It's kind of crazy. Um, and then the last thing is this. Aspire like the Indian Constitution without qualification. Aspiring to a possibility of wholeness while embracing the, I got to say it, the inherent <laughs> contradictions and even the hypocrisy within us takes a, I got, <laughs> takes a lot of courage to do that. So aspire without qualification. I think our aspirations are important. Thanks for joining this wild conversation. If you'd like to learn more about wild leaders, visit us at wildleaders.org. If you want to purchase the Wild Toolkit, visit wildtoolkit.com. If you'd like to join the interactive live recording with other leaders, sign up at wildleaders.org backslash wildconversation. I'm Megan Lawrence. Have a great day.